0: This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a wonderful privilege for me to be with you here this, this morning the 10th anniversary of Jordan Lutheran Church and at the uh, impending purchase of land, as I understand it, building of of a sanctuary. As I shared in Bible class, I actually, I was here about eight years ago, took pictures and I tried to get other congregations, other church plans to follow your model. I think it's been a, a wonderful model and as I said earlier this morning, most people just looked at me with a blank stare and, and couldn't figure out how in the world this happens. Uh, but it, it's been a wonderful mission ministry of the church, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm honored to be here with you and, and celebrate this 10th anniversary in anticipation of continued gifts from God's hand, the gifts of his word and sacrament coming to you and to many others. You see uh, as Paul says to Timothy in his first letter to him, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's what our gospel lesson from Luke 5 is all about. It's not about the catch of fish, it's about catching men. A professor that uh, your pastor had, Dr. Andrew Bartelt, I heard him say many years ago that everything in the church is penultimate to mission. Penultimate's a word that we use in grammar, it, usually we use it in, in relationship to accents. The last but one is what it means, penultimate, last by one. And it's kind of uh, uh, a common thing to say, well, it's on the penultimate syllable. The accent's on the penultimate syllable. In other words, the, the syllable before the last. But he, he made this statement using that word. He said, everything in the church is penultimate to mission everything we do in the church is right before to serve that end of God's mission to bringing the gospel to the world. And I'd like to take that a little bit further this morning as we look at the life of Peter, James, and John and say everything in our lives is penultimate to mission. God has everything in your life, Planned so that you might know him and be saved. That's number one. And God takes all things that are occurring in your life, works them together for your good and for the good of his church that they too might be used, in spite of our failings, they too might be used for mission to bringing the gospel to others. The future apostles, Peter, James, and John, eventually would see that not just the big catch of fish was the work of Jesus to lead them into mission, to drop everything and follow him in mission, not just the big catch of fish, but also the toiling all night long. The not catching fish was also to prepare them to see Jesus, the Messiah, that Jesus is the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, and drive them to fear, as our text says, not just Peter, but to all in astonishment that before them was the Lord God Almighty. Everything in your life, dear friends, is directed by a good and gracious master who has as his loving purpose, has as his purpose to direct your eternal well-being, first to save you and then to, in saving others. Everything God directs for your good. Now, notice I didn't say that uh, I use the word he directs it. He takes that which is fallen. He takes that which is sad. He takes that which is broken in this world and shapes it and directs it so that we might be brought to repentance and cling to him more firmly and thereby, through faith in him as our Savior, be saved. But he also directs these things that are fallen, not that he's the cause of it, but he takes them and makes the best of them so that we too might be driven into mission. Even the toiling all night long what is your toiling all night long i'm sure pastor Merker. i know i know mike from my days together with him in panama and we've had wonderful opportunities connect not often but i tell you it seems like he's just a a lifelong friend even though we've had limited times with with him and melissa and we feel so close to them but I, i i know your pastor that he's a very positive person But there's been a lot of toiling all night long, not only for him, but many of you. Many of you here from the beginning, with great sacrifice and, and hardship, and you've seen difficult times. What is your toiling all night long that our Lord directs and works through so that we might know him more fully, so that we might know his love for us in Christ Jesus, so that we might cling to him and believe in him as our savior. Sometimes, by God's grace, we live long enough to see some of that. Your church has been gathering here, and the mission started 10 years ago for for a long time, but sometimes you don't even see the results in 10 years. Something happened to me just recently. I had to go down to the Dominican Republic, to the seminary that you so graciously support, that serves Uh, at least six countries right now, but really the entire Latin American region. I was visiting with one of the students there who was from Peru, and I served in Peru from 85 to 92. And by golly, I taught this, this made me feel old, I taught this young man's grandfather Christology. (laughs) Abraham Rosario and his wife, Abrilas, just barely younger than me at the time, but I had the task of teaching Christology with my terrible Spanish, the poor guy. That, makes, that made you learn Spanish quickly when you have to teach Christology and you've been in the country six months. And then his, his uh, uh, father, my wife, taught piano and guitar too, and, and by golly he formed a, a pretty rockin' Andean folk group that we used to play matins and vespers in the church uh, with the charanga and the sampoña and the cana and, and the cajon. But here this young man, Elvis, is studying in the seminary to be a pastor. And he told me that uh, a young man uh, that I had instructed is also a pastor in Peru. In fact, this young man, his name is, is Antonio Carrera. He was the very first person as a missionary I ever had a house visit with. Antonio and his little brother Christian were there in this little inner city slum apartment the smell of which burnt your nostrils because it was thousands of people living on top of one another in a building that should have been condemned decades before and they eked out an existence there i went there with gabriel asto to call on this family because she stopped by and told one of the missionaries one of your pastors was in our village 20 years ago i need a visit so that was the very first house visit. In fact, the day before, I went to Martin Teigen, my mentor, and I said, well, I'm done with language school. What do I do? And he said, the Lord will open a door for you. And I went in my cubicle and, and read Spanish, waiting for the Lord to open the door for me. Next day, I go to work, and he says, the door op- the door opened for you. Go with Gabriel, and he'll take you to this woman's house. Through that call, I probably confirmed about 40 adults and, and many other young people. And there was Antonio, about 12 years old, and now he's a 45-year-old Lutheran pastor. I just learned of that about three weeks ago. It took about 33 years (laughs) for me to see the fruits, the wonderful fruits of my first evangelism call in my life as a missionary on the field. And it reminded me also that about two years ago, I did go back, about four years ago, I did go back to Peru to uh, work with our LCMS mission. And when I was in the Peru earlier, I was with another Lutheran mission at the time. And we went to visit that mission that I had, had visited, or I had, uh, I had started. Excuse me. So I went with our LCMS missionaries to visit the mission I had started. And we ran into a pastor at a Lutheran school. And he said, you're Dan McMiller. I said, yes, I am. You were the church planter. Yes, I was. You were the evangelist here in the 80s and early 90s, yes. He said, so-and-so has to meet you. I said, and who was that? He said, he was the terrorist assigned to assassinate you when you planted the church in Puente Piedra. Now, I knew the story that my wife and I, we struggled to have our first baby, and that young man is now in seminary, our first child at Fort Wayne, and married to a Dominican girl, and he wants to be a missionary. All my children speak Spanish, and so he's, he wants to be a missionary to Hispanics, wherever the Lord calls him. But, but we were at home on furlough after many, many miscarriages, and my wife stayed there, and I had to leave this church plant in Puente Piedra. And I knew that there was a guy with two other young men, three young men would come into that church we built with our bare hands in this new village, and they would sit in the back row. And then at the closing collect, I'd turn around, and he'd be gone. Three out of like six Sundays this occurred, and then we had to go home uh, for furlough, and my wife unexpectedly, but thanks be to God, was pregnant, and we nurtured her to full full term. And while we were back in the United States, my colleague informed us by letter. He didn't call back then. (laughs) No Internet. (laughs) He wrote me a letter. He said, Dan, there's a young man I'm instructing. As I was walking to your church that you planted, I heard a psst from the sugarcane fields. I walked to the edge of the sugarcane fields and there was a man in tears, a red face and tears streaking down his face. So I dared to walk into the sugarcane fields, but this was a time of high terrorism. Google Sendero Luminoso or Shining Path and you'll know that in a 12 year period, 100,000 people were dead or missing in Peru. And I worked in the midst of that in the red zones, in the, in the terrorist zones of the country. So my colleague, Jim Olson, walked into that sugarcane fields and he said, I was assigned to assassinate Pastor McMiller. I am an assassin with a Sendero luminoso. Can God possibly forgive me? Can God possibly forgive me? Well, my colleague gave this young man the gospel, nurtured him in that faith, taught him the confirmation, the Luther's Small Catechism in the sugarcane fields. Standing in the sugarcane fields, hiding from terrorists. We found out that I planted a church in the middle of a terrorist community. No wonder they cussed at me whenever I tried to greet them and and, and stop by their doors. We did have about four or five families in the church. And every Sunday they gathered, to my ignorance, they, they worried about being killed. But they were willing to do that. Well, when I went back to Peru about four years ago, this proving pastor from that other mission said... So and so wants to meet you. I don't even know who this man is. He's the terrorist that was assigned to kill you. He too is now a Lutheran pastor. 30 years later. Sometimes, by God's grace, we see the fruits of toiling all night long. Sometimes we're permitted a glimpse of God's wisdom in taking that which is horrible and using it to shape his church and shape his people so that others might know his love and mercy in his son, Jesus Christ. No doubt Peter, James, and John did not fully realize that the toiling, their toiling was for their good until three years later when Jesus appeared to them in that upper room with nail-pierced hands and nail-pierced feet and Thomas put his finger in his side. Then, it was then they understood not just the two ships sinking for the abundance of fish, but the toiling all night long alone without him. And as he stood there before them with the good news of the resurrection, then they finally understood all the suffering of Christ, the beating, the flogging, the agony. And as they hid from the Jews, in fear of their lives, wondering whether or not they had just wasted three years of their life and put their homes in, hopes and dreams in someone else. Then it occurred to them the purpose of their toiling all night long. And isn't it interesting that it was there? What did Jesus ask for them? He asked for something to eat, and what did they give him? Some baked fish. <laughs> Some baked fish to remind them, no doubt, of that miracle at the shores of the Sea of Galilee or Gennesaret, where Christ told them they will be fishers of men. Sometimes we're given the grace to see the fruits of our labors. And it's my prayer that you will see those fruits continue as you move forward at this 10th anniversary and in many years to come in service to the mission of the gospel. No doubt when Peter, James, and John toiled all night long and garnered nothing, they were probably a little bit upset. Like fishermen today, <laughs> they were pretty frustrated. What are we going to eat? What are we going to tell our wives? How are we going to pay our workers? Why is this happening to us? Is God punishing us? Often as we go through the frustrations of this life, we may have similar similar feelings whether it be in our personal lives our relationships with others or even within the church but all of this is to prepare was to prepare them and it's to prepare us to see God's power and might and purpose in our lives and know that God is at work for your salvation for my salvation and the salvation of many others if we Kneel before him and trust him so that we might not just have a catch of fish, but have the eternal banquet in heaven an eternal wedding banquet and feast and the joy and rest from our labors that knows no end. So in our lives, our struggles, we must see that they are all part of the miracle of Jesus in our lives as individuals and as a church, the Lord knows what's happening to us. He knows the hardships. He knows the challenges and that they are for his purpose to direct us to our salvation and in mission to bring that good news of salvation to many, many others. His purpose is to allow us to labor in our many earthly vocations, but always with the things of heaven before our eyes, which give all things greater purpose and greater meaning. Only on our knees, like Peter, at Jesus' feet, in repentance and adoration of Jesus, will we see the things of heaven through the sorrows and through the toiling all night long. There's one more part of this text. There's so much in here that I'd like to focus on. And these are the words of Peter, where he says, At your word, we shall let down the net. At your word, O Lord, we'll let it down. Even though it goes contrary to every bit of common sense and reason, to be fishing in the the heat of the day, at the depths of the water, rather than at night along the shore where the fish were more likely to be found. At your word, we will do it. When we are on our knees, we learn not to trust in our own skill, but to expect everything as a result of of our Lord Jesus Christ's blessing. But to expect it with certainty, according to his his gracious promise, according to his perfect wisdom, and as an undeserved gift from his hand. Why must Peter toil all night long and get nothing? It's to learn that the Lord Jesus rules in all things. And that's a very difficult lesson for us to learn as selfish, sinful, self-centered human beings, that the Lord Jesus rules in all things, especially in the toil of catching men for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of God. And he rules in all things, as we heard in the children's message, through his appointed means, his word and sacrament, his means of grace, those things that have not only his command but his promise connected to them that through such means he builds his kingdom. Peter must know that the Lord Jesus is powerful and accomplishes those things that we cannot accomplish with our own sweat and toil or resources even though we are to use them to god's glory it's only by the lord jesus power that we accomplish anything and it's through the connection of his holy spirit his almighty spirit in his word the word that peter would be appointed to preach and so he was learning an all-important lesson as in frustration and no doubt with a, a good amount of doubt, he said, that your word, Lord, will let down the net. The Lord's word accomplishes that for which it is sent, the prophet Isaiah reminds us. Peter and all of us in mission and in life are to trust in the Lord and commit all things into his hands. Your life, your struggles, your anxieties, your concerns for your families, your nation, your community, your future sanctuary, the health and well-being of your loved ones. You toil all night often and seem to catch nothing. But it's part of the plan for those who kneel before the Lord in humility and trust in the Lord and commit their trust in his word. Especially, not only these things about our daily life and the externals of the church, but in the extension of the kingdom in bringing others, whether they be some of these children, someone in your extended family, someone in your relationship, or even a terrorist into the kingdom of God for Christ Christ Jesus' purpose, especially in those things we commend ourselves to God's wisdom and care. Let down your net, Jordan. Let down your net at the Lord's command and at the Lord's proper time and in due time. You will have a great catch. Push out the shore and let Jesus use your boat and trust that in due time, With faithfulness and humility and clinging to the merits of Christ and using his word, he will return that boat full of fish. All are not called to be apostles or teachers, but all of us are called to be laborers in the kingdom of God for the salvation and bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. This you have done. Thanks be to God. This you have done here in this place. I commend you for it. Rejoice in that. Celebrate it. Have your cake. Eat it too. This is wonderful. A wonderful time of thanksgiving. I commend you for what you've done in not only bringing others to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but as you have so in such an exemplary way of done, is praying for others, sending others, And supporting others from your own midst and missionaries throughout the world who can labor on your behalf by a call from Christ Jesus through his church. Your faithful support of those called by the church to go in your stead to distant lands is celebrated here, commended, and now we hold you in prayer and in God's embrace as you continue to labor here in Apex, North Carolina, through the congregation and the, and the wonderful, wonderful opportunities that he has for you in the future, in your lives, but above all, above all, so that others might be brought into the kingdom of God. For everything, everything in your lives is penultimate to mission and serves God's mission of bringing us all to that eternal kingdom and that eternal banquet where he has prepared mansions for us through his suffering and death in our stead. To him be all glory and honor and thanksgiving now and forever. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior Jesus Christ every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the Peak of Good Living, Apex, North Carolina.